to Exodus 15. Considering this theme of the tests that the Lord puts His people through, having delivered them from the place of bondage, from the furnace of affliction, uh, begins to test their faith. And we've been looking then these last several weeks at some of these key tests that God put His people through uh, as He led them on this journey of faith. And it certainly has parallels to the Christian experience uh, that our entire life is a life of faith and the Lord to strengthen that faith, to encourage that faith, will bring the trials, the tests, uh, in order to bring us to that place of increased dependence and understanding of who He is. Now we're coming today then to a series uh, of tests one right after the other. We saw in chapter 5 that... Uh, tests that happened immediately after Moses announced the deliverance. Last week we considered the test at the Red Sea, uh, having been brought from the land of bondage, now facing that certain defeat at the Red Sea, but the Lord graciously delivered them right through. But now in chapters 15, 16, and 17, we have really a series, I suppose we could say, of pop quizzes, one right after the other with not much time intervening, uh, the Lord brings the people once again to a place where they must learn some very important lessons. All right, we're going to pick it up then uh, at verse 22 uh, of chapter 15. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees. And they encamped there by the waters. So it was just three days since they had marched through the Red Sea on dry ground, having witnessed that great deliverance, that great evidence of God's care and God's provision and God's purpose for them. Just three days had passed. And now they're in the wilderness, and they find themselves in a place where there was no water. And we have here a test, then, that involves what I'll call disappointments. Here is a test that involves some significant disappointments. They came to a place where there appeared to be water. Uh, they came to a place, having been in the wilderness now for three days, uh, and getting thirsty, and thirst is real. We're in Exodus 15. Uh, in Exodus 15, the last part of that chapter, beginning at verse 22. Discouraging thing. Uh, to be thirsty is no light matter. Uh, and the people were growing weary. Uh, and when they saw the waters of Marah in the distance, uh, it had to be a very encouraging sight. 
but yet when they came to the waters, apparently with the anticipation that their thirst was going to be quenched, that their needs were going to be met, that the Lord once again had been faithful in bringing them to the place uh, where their needs were going to be met, uh, they came to those waters and with bitter disappointment, uh, it became impossible for them to drink those waters because they were, they were bitter. That's discouraging to think that the, uh, the need is about to be relieved and then to come to that place and uh, find that the needs are not going to be relieved uh, at all. It doesn't happen so much uh, in our house anymore uh, now that the main culprit is left home. Uh, but I, I recall for, for years, right, when Chad was in the house particularly, uh, I'd have some kind of beverage that I liked in the refrigerator, right, and, and I would be thirsty and I'd go to that and I'd see the bottle of whatever it was in there and I'd pull it out and the bottle was empty. Right? Does he still put empty bottles? But he still puts empty bottles back in <laughs> Uh, he puts empty bottles back in the refrigerator. And, and I would see that, right? I would see that. And, and I, my anticipation was growing and I'd pull it out and there was, there was disappointment. All right? There was disappointment when I picked up that empty bottle. Well, I'm glad you're living with it now and not me. Uh, but that was always a real uh, disappointment. Uh, to, to see the, uh, what, what you thought was going to be the relief. And, and then you pull it out and there's, there's nothing there. And, and certainly in a far more uh, significant way, uh, that's what Israel was experiencing here. They saw the water in the distance. Here is the relief. Uh, we're, we're going to get our thirst quenched. And then all of a sudden they get there and there is nothing that is usable for them. Uh, this was hard. Uh, and there are those times certainly when uh, the Lord brings us. And again, let's understand that the people here were not lost. There was not a time in this entire wilderness experience when the people were lost. Uh, God was instructing them and God was leading them every step of the way. Uh, and, and I suppose in many ways that's what makes some of these tests hard when we realize that it is God that is doing the leading. Uh, it, it would be easy in one sense, I suppose, to admit that we had gotten off track, that we had uh, failed to follow the leading of the Lord and got ourselves in a mess. Uh, and uh, we could learn the lesson well. But it's another thing, uh, I think, completely. When we realize that we are following the Lord, uh, there was the cloudy pillar. Uh, and every step of the way, the Lord was telling the people to turn here, to turn there. And in the providence of God, once again, they found themselves uh, in a place that didn't make uh, any sense to them. Now, that's a test. What are we going to do? When we find ourselves again in these places of apparent disappointment, following the Lord uh, as best we know how, uh, as carefully as we know how, following the Lord, uh, but he brings us once again to a place uh, that we don't understand. Uh, the Lord Does not the Lord know these people were thirsty? Uh, was the Lord ignorant of the fact that for three days now they have been walking from the Red Sea to this place and there was no water around? You're going to get thirsty after three days. Uh, the Lord knew that. Uh, but the Lord in His providence brings them to this place uh, of bitterness, the waters of Mara. And that's all the word Mara means, uh, simply the word bitterness. That's the word, remember, when uh, Naomi uh, returns from the fields of Moab uh, and uh, the inhabitants of Bethlehem say, oh, look, here's Naomi, uh, which means pleasant. 
Uh, and Naomi says, don't call me that. Uh, you call me Mara because the Lord has dealt bitterly uh, with me. Well, this is the term. Here comes a place of bitterness. Well, how did they respond? Well, once again, uh, we're going to have a couple of responses that are possible. People failed this test once again. Look at verse 24. The people murmured uh, against Moses saying, uh, what shall we drink? Uh, as we've seen over and over again in the tests, they became, uh, they became overwhelmed uh, with the circumstance that they found themselves in. All they could see was where they are. Uh, and in spite of the fact that God had faithfully delivered them uh, out of Egypt, the fact uh, notwithstanding that God had delivered them successfully and dryly through the Red Sea, uh, and that was just three days ago. All right, that was just three days ago. How quickly these people are forgetting. How quickly they forgot that God had been faithful, that God was faithful, that God had not abandoned them. Uh, but it's as though, uh, it's as though it never happened. Uh, and they come again uh, and they begin to murmur now and complain uh, against the Lord. Uh, no trust in God and they made their complaint against Moses. Uh, this is Moses' fault. Well, they knew where Moses was getting his directions. Uh, they knew where Moses was uh, being instructed and getting the, uh, the line of, uh, of march. They knew where Moses was getting that. Here was a complaint against Moses, yes, but against the man of God, it was a complaint and a murmuring against the Lord uh, himself. Uh, the Lord didn't understand. What are we going to drink? Does the Lord not understand the situation, the circumstance? Uh, that we are in. Well, there's a lesson here. Now, they failed the test, obviously. Uh, they complained. Uh, rather than trusting God to bring the water in due course, they complained, dissatisfied, discontent uh, with what the Lord was doing uh, in their lives once again. Uh, but there was a lesson here. Uh, God did not bring him to the place of Marah to mock them. didn't bring him here to uh, find a more convenient place to kill them. Uh, he brought them here on purpose. He brought them here to teach them another very important, vital lesson about trust, about faith, uh, and uh, how significantly important it is to come to that place of depending upon Lord and trusting the Lord regardless of what things appear to be. From every appearance, uh, it seemed as though they were going to die of thirst. From every appearance, it seemed to be no hope, but there was a lesson. And God was going to turn that bitterness. He was going to turn that bitterness uh, into sweetness. Uh, look at verse 25. When Moses received the complaints uh, from the people, uh, he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, uh, which when he had cast it in the waters, the waters were made sweet. Uh, interesting word uh, that the authorized version translates here as show. Uh, it, it doesn't simply mean to point out, uh, but this is, the, uh, this is the word really to instruct, uh, to teach. Uh, it's the word from which the noun, you, you know the noun form of this word, it's the Torah. All right? The Torah, the law of God. Uh, it refers to that whole body of instruction uh, that God has given to his people. We could translate it in that way. It's not, I say, simply that the Lord pointed this tree out to Moses. Uh, nothing magical about this tree, as it were. Uh, but the Lord instructed Moses concerning uh, this tree. 
and having been instructed, having gotten the word from the Lord, having received then the word from the Lord uh, as to how to change bitterness into sweetness, uh, Moses takes that tree at the command of God, at special revelation. Here again is the word of God, and this is the point that I want us to see here. Uh, the, uh, the thing that the Lord is teaching the people here is to trust the Word, to trust the Word, to listen to the instruction that God gives, uh, and to live then by that Word of the Lord. Moses uh, did this at the command uh, of God. He revealed him a tree, uh, a sign. This tree became certainly a great object lesson to the people, uh, that God had the ability uh, to take care of their needs. That God had the ability and God had the wherewithal uh, to uh, keep them, as he says here, from the diseases uh, of Egypt. Uh, the Lord had the means. The Lord had the wherewithal. Uh, contrary to their expectations. Maybe not the source of relief that they would have expected. Uh, but in this unexpected place, from this unexpected source... Uh, God reveals to these people once again that He has the means, uh, that He has the uh, that He has the resources, whatever they are, uh, to meet the needs uh, of His people. Uh, that He could reverse the circumstances of life, uh, that He could take care of them in their affliction, uh, in what appeared to be uh, their great disappointment. Now, this certainly is a symbol. This certainly is a symbol. It is a symbolic object lesson, this tree, uh, that points to the sufficiency of God. An object lesson that points to the reality of God that will, uh, that will meet His people at the place of their need. Uh, that will uh, supply the grace to reverse their curse and their bitterness, to turn all of that bitterness into sweetness. It certainly became an object lesson. There was nothing magical in that tree. All right? There was nothing in the enzymes uh, of the bark or the leaves of that tree that somehow chemically reacted with that bitter water to make it sweet. Uh, that was not the point. Uh, it was very obviously here something that was unnatural, uh, something that God was controlling, but it became an object lesson to teach these people very visibly, very manifestly to trust God that God always has the wherewithal uh, to meet the needs uh, of his people. Now, I would say then, and I'm not going to go back and develop all of the uh, little hermeneutical lessons that we've been through over these uh, past times together, uh, but I would certainly argue uh, on the basis of the way I have defined symbols and types for you that not only do we have an object lesson uh, of that spiritual truth that God has the means to reverse the bitterness of His people, but we do have indeed here a type. This is a prophecy, uh, a picture prophecy, uh, I would take, of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, Himself. Uh, now, let, let's, let me just m make this statement. I say to you that this is a prophecy uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the tree a prophecy of the cross? Because it's wood, you see. It's wood. It's the tree. It's, well, if you want to go there, go there. That's not what I'm saying. All right? I am not. And some of you are saying, oh, come on, that'd be a nice thing to say. Well, say it if you want. See, some of you would-be preachers out there saying, I want to go with that one. Uh, well, go with it if you like. All right? Go with it if you like. Uh, all I'm saying is the tree here is a type of Christ as the reverser of the curse. 
Now, yes, I can plug in all of the theology that I know and know that it is through the cross work of Christ that the curse is reversed. I know that. But is the, is, is the type here the fact that this is a tree uh, that, uh, and the tree is a picture of the cross? I'm not, I, I don't think so, but you go with it if you like. Uh, you go with it if you like. But it is a type of Christ. All right. It, are you with me? The difference that I'm making there. It's not just the. Tr- it's not the wood that's a type of the wood of the cross. This is not a prophecy of the shape and, and how Christ was going to reverse the curse. But it is a prophecy of Christ. It is a prophecy of the one, the only one, through whom and by whom uh, the Lord is going to reverse the curse uh, of sin and bring the sweetness uh, of life. Uh, to his people, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to uh, take take stuff away from you. Lord knows I don't. Uh, but not every time that I see a tree in Scripture, all right, is that uh, is that a type of the cross? All right, I'm sorry. Uh, we keep things in context. All right, we keep the, what it. This is a type of Christ. It is a type of Christ, the one that is the reverser uh, of the curse uh, of his people. Uh, and it becomes a beautiful lesson there. Now, is the cross tied up into that? Well, sure it is, because that's how Christ uh, reversed the curse. And it's only because He was the, uh, the sacrifice for sin uh, that we have any hope of the sweetness uh, that uh, transforms the bitterness of our life of sin. But the point is that God has a provision. God has the answer to all of the disappointments. What is the, dis- what is the answer to the disappointments of life? Uh, it is to find, our, uh, to find our instruction, to find our word in the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Now that's a good lesson to learn. Uh, it's a good lesson to learn. How do we meet the disappointments? Are there going to be disappointments in life? I dare say there are. Uh, you're not going to live very long uh, before you run across those disappointments. And those discouragements in your life, I don't know what they are. They're all different for us all. And it doesn't take much uh, to bring us to that place of dis, uh, that disappointment. Uh, but where are we going to find uh, the sweetness for our souls? Uh, it is only as we look away uh, from that circumstance to find then our, uh, our satisfaction uh, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And what did God do? From the place of uh, Mara, the place of bitterness, he takes them just a little uh, distance further, and they come to Elim, uh, where there were twelve wells of water, three score and ten palm trees, and there they encamped by the waters. Uh, there was an oasis. There was a place of refreshing that God had for his people, uh, bringing them away from bitterness to the place where they were going to have every desire and every contentment uh, of their life met in the provision that the Lord has for His people. So here at Mara, testing, yes. Disappointments, yes. But God has the means of reversing uh, the disappointments of His people. And that is in the provision of the Lord Jesus Christ. Alright, that's the first quiz. They didn't do so well, but God gave them a good answer. In chapter 16, we come to the second little quiz here. And this is the test involving contentment. Disappointment in chapter 15, but now the test involving contentment. 
in verses 1 to 4, first of all. And they took their journey from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my laws uh, or not. We'll look at more of this in just a moment. But here is the text. They now enter into the wilderness of sin between Elim and Sinai. We're only a month after the Exodus. All right? A month has passed from the time that God had brought them out from the land of Egypt. Only a month has passed from the time they saw all of those plagues uh, that God set uh, in the land of Egypt. Only a month since that great Passover night. Less than a month since they crossed through the Red Sea. Less than a month from the time that they had experienced the Lord's meeting their needs at Marah. Just a very few days had passed. And now they find themselves uh, here in the wilderness between uh, Elim and Sinai. And it's the wilderness of sin. Now, I know that's attractive too, right? That's attractive. You're going to jump on that and, and run with that one. Uh, you would be preachers. Uh, but, but that's not sin in the sense of doing bad things, all right? That's not the word for sin. That's just a transliteration of the word. This is where they were. It's the wilderness of zin, uh, not sin in the sense of doing bad things. But that's so attractive, right? I could just see, I could just see one of you guys preaching on that one. Uh, go ahead if you want to, but let me know. Right. And I'll go someplace else. All right. The, the wilderness, the wilderness of sin. All right. Just that's the geographic place has not, not not a term of morality or anything else. So please don't uh, don't go there. Uh, it just just crossed my mind here too. By the way, this some when you come to uh, when you come to Kings and the last part of Kings and you read there about uh, the king of Babylon whose name is in the authorized version, Evil Merodach, or Evil Merodach. This is just, I'm just kind of rescuing this guy's character. Uh, it, it, it's not that he's evil in the sense of bad, right? It's not, he's not bad, Merodach. Uh, the word evil there is the transliteration of Avil. He is the man of Marduk. Now, he was not a virtuous character, all right? Uh, but, the, but I don't, why am I saying that? Uh, not, not every time you see evil is it evil. Not every time you see sin is it sin, I guess that's what I'm saying. But here they are in the wilderness. Uh, and that was a digression that went absolutely nowhere, but that's what digressions tend to do, right? They kind of circle around and hit this thing from a different point. And that's what happens when, when I have meager notes here and I don't follow them. Usually I don't bother looking anyway, but it's getting worse. I'm just going to let it go and come back to where we were. All right. Another test. This time a test of hunger. Right? Test of hunger. We see that at verse number three. Uh, that, that's a terribly embarrassing thing when you get up here in public and you start doing that, and there's absolutely no way you can get out of it until you just submit your ignorance and just let it go. So I admit my ignorance, and I shouldn't have gone back to it just then even. 
I'm so embarrassed. They got hungry. All right, they got hungry. Uh, and in their hunger, in their hunger, uh, they began longing once again for what they had in the land of Egypt. All about all that food that they had back in Egypt. And now they're out here hungry. Now, these people, let's understand, these people were not starving to death. All right? These people were not starving to death. There was a sense in which there was, uh, there, was, there was stuff for them to eat. They had great herds with them. They had great herds with them. If, if push came to shove, they could kill a goat if they wanted to. All right? You understand? Uh, they had their herds there. Uh, and these herds, while they were not slaughtering them for food, were producing milk on a regular basis. Uh, they were making cheese. They had plenty of milk and cheese, if you will. These people it, were not starving to death, uh, but uh, they were discontent. Uh, they were unhappy with the diet that they had, and they longed for uh, the diet that they enjoyed. Uh, so they now remember enjoying uh, back in the land uh, of Egypt. So they are hungry here, discontent with what, uh, with what they had, uh, becoming uh, dissatisfied uh, with what the Lord was providing uh, for them. Where are they going to find then their satisfaction? Here's the test. Where are you going to find your contentment and your satisfaction in life. If you find and you're seeking for that contentment and that satisfaction, the stuff of life, then the routine of life is going to very soon bring you to a place uh, of dissatisfaction. And that's where they were. Now, they weren't gone very long. And again, this is the point that amazes me here. These people had not been out in this wilderness very long at this point. We know that they ended up being there for 40 years, but that sentence was not yet passed upon them. As far as they knew, they were still marching to Zion uh, and were going to enter into that place. Uh, but uh, it wasn't long, I say, before all of this stuff began to pressure upon them. Uh, and again, tired uh, and discontent uh, with, what, with what they had. So they said, we're hungry. We don't have to eat what we had back uh, in the land of Egypt. So once again, they murmur against Moses. You come down to verse 8 and you find that uh, that murmuring was ultimately against the Lord, as God tells Moses. Yeah, it feels sorry for Moses here. The time these people turned around, they were beating on him uh, and accusing him and uh, attacking him, and God calms him down and says, you understand that they're doing this against me, not against you. So, uh, and uh, the people, indeed, while they vented their dissatisfaction against Moses, uh, were primarily upset with where the Lord and what the Lord uh, was instructing them to do. So they murmured against God. God's been dealing harshly with us here. Uh, he brought us out in this place and He's not dealing fairly with us. Uh, he's not being kind to us. Uh, and just discontent. Making the old way of life. And this again is, is a remarkable thing. Uh, they, they got to this place where the old life that they hated when they were there that they cried unto the Lord, deliver me out of this when they were there. But now just a few days out, boy, that was paradise. Egypt was, just take me back to Egypt. See, 
Uh, that, that was the good life after all. How quickly they forgot. Uh, how quickly they forgot that oppression and that uh, great bondage that they were in that the Lord graciously delivered them from. And now, just because they are not getting to eat day by day what they think they uh, would like to eat, getting tired of eating the same old stuff, uh, they begin to complain that God is not being fair with them, that God is harsh, that God's mean, God's not, God's not giving me everything that I want, you see. Uh, and, and so, therefore, he's, he's against us. But what a lesson. What a lesson God had in store for the people. Abundant provision. The Lord said in verse 4, I'm going to rain bread from heaven down upon you. And this is going to be a means of proving, of testing also. The manna that the Lord is referring to here became a means itself of testing the people, as we're going to see of that utter and knowing what it is to utterly and totally depend upon Him day by day. But that manna that God was going to give daily from heaven became that wonderful that wonderful uh, very graphic vivid picture of God's daily sustaining goodness and grace for his people uh, in the Lord's prayer that we've considered uh, give us this day our daily bread uh, and certainly the manna became a testimony to that will of God to supply on a daily basis on a regular basis, the provision that God had for His people. That He was not going to forsake them. That He was not going to leave them. But day by day, He had for them exactly what they needed. But that was a test of faith. That was a test of faith. Just going a little ahead here, but just project what you know about the instructions that God gave about that manna. You're to pick up today only what you need for today. Don't hoard it. Don't take more than you need. No, it's going to be here tomorrow. And that was the great test, right? You take what you need today. Don't be worrying about tomorrow. Uh, if they worried about tomorrow, then they were going to take more than they needed for today. But God says, you trust me. You trust me day by day. Today I give you what you need. You trust me that tomorrow I will give you what you need. But I, I spend half of my life, right? and this is... Not, not a happy confession that I make to you, but I spend half of my life today worrying about tomorrow. What's tomorrow going to be? What's tomorrow going to be? And we get ourselves so stinking upset as to about what tomorrow or the day after that or the day after that is going to be see, that, that we're not enjoying. And I don't like, I don't like hearing what I'm saying right now. All right? I don't like hearing what I'm saying. Uh, but, I, but I need to hear this and remind myself of it. Uh, and I don't think I'm alone. I don't think I'm alone. Most of our trouble and most of our, uh, most of our discontentment, most of our discontentment is what we project may happen tomorrow or next week or next year or whatever else. Where in looking backwards, in looking back, where has God ever yet failed us? You see? We're here. All right? I'm here today. And the fact that I'm here today is evidence that God supplied my needs yesterday and the day before and the year before and the decade before and whatever else. See? Well, let's rest on that instead of... You see, uh, 
but this is what the Lord was teaching him in the manna. I'm going to give you today what you need. All right? And you trust me that tomorrow it's going to be there. The manna became uh, this great lesson of trusting and depending upon the Lord day by day. What is the great conclusion that the Lord Jesus makes from this? That man is not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How did they know the manna was going to be there? Because God said it would. You see, God said it would. You just take God at his word. You trust the Lord. What a wonderful uh, and a very hard lesson. And I say a very hard lesson uh, that this is. Uh, that this is to learn. And Sandra knows exactly what I'm talking about because she said to me this morning, this is what my wife said to me this morning, if that's the way you're going to be, I'm going to quit praying for you. (laughs) That's what my wife said to me today. And bless her heart, she's right. right? The point is, she's right. And that's what grieves me even more. Uh, Why don't we learn? Don't you? I'm, I'm saluting you. That was a good, sobering word you gave me this morning. Hurt to the core, but it's true. All right, it's true. Uh, trust the Lord. Day by day, we trust the Lord. And here is God's gracious provision of the bread, the bread of heaven, uh, and what uh, and, and what it was, and, and what it was. And the sad thing is that you know these people ultimately became dissatisfied with that. But uh, how, how good it was. If we can find our contentment and find our satisfaction uh, in the things the Lord gives to us uh, and be satisfied and content with that. Contentment's a wonderful thing, you know. Uh, in, in those few odd moments, you think of those few odd moments in your life uh, when your soul has been content, you see. Uh, that feels good. Doesn't that feel good in those few odd moments uh, when you have known that genuine contentment and satisfaction with the things of the Lord? Uh, Well, let's let's learn. Let's learn. And I'm, you know, seeing myself right there as I say this. Uh, Let's learn to trust Him. uh, That He's not going to forsake us. uh, That He's not going to abandon us. That He will constantly, day by day, meet the needs of his people. Now, uh, he gave them quail here too, uh, as an evidence of his, of his kindness, of his goodness. And a little later on, a little later on, he gave them quail again. You go back to, where is it? Uh, I don't know, Numbers 10, Numbers 11, I guess it is. Uh, in Numbers 11, he gave them quail uh, in his wrath. Uh, and they uh, ate and died before they could swallow. Uh, but not here. All right, not here. Here's an act of kindness. But uh, the, the key thing here is the, is the manna. Uh, and there's no question as to what the symbol, symbolism and the typology is here. Uh, we're not making anything up. We're not pressing anything here, certainly. Uh, the symbolism, certainly. The object lesson is to teach these people that God sustains them, has again the means of sustaining them day by day. And ultimately that of course points to Christ because the Lord Jesus Himself tells us in John chapter 6 that He is that bread that is sent down from heaven. Uh, That it is Christ that is the manna uh, for His people. 
And just as they ate of Christ, or ate of the manna day by day, so are we to eat of Christ. To eat of Christ. Uh, this, is the, this is what Christ argues. Look at the imagery that he uses in John chapter 6. You have to eat of me, people. Christ says, you have to eat of me. Uh, you have to eat my flesh uh, and drink my... I'm the bread of heaven here. Sustain your soul. Sustain your spiritual life with me. So we don't live just by physical bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Doc? Just as a point of contrast, what was in those Egyptian flesh pots? Uh, question here. I'm going to repeat your question for two reasons. So they can hear it on tape and it gives me time to think. <laughs> Dr. Graff asked, just what was in those flesh pots in Egypt? Flesh. <laughs> I don't know. What did, what did the Egyptians eat, right? Cats? Did they eat cats? No, they worship cats. Uh, we, we kill cats. We don't, we don't like cats. Uh, sorry, you cat lovers. What, you know, Sandra? I was going to say that. <laughs> Twice in one day. <coughs> Look at your cross-references, Doc. <laughs> Very good. Boiled fish. I guess. Whatever. Okay. Well, with that, we got to quit. All right, with, with Sanders' final word, we bring this to a close. Uh, one more little quiz here. One more little quiz in chapter 17. We'll look at that, uh, we'll look at that next week. Uh, once again, they get, they get thirsty. All right, we'll close this in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do give our thanks for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, enable us to uh, trust you and depend upon you more and more. Uh, to rejoice in every remembrance of your faithfulness uh, and to, uh, by your help and by your grace, uh, learn to trust even more. So let this be a sobering word to us, an encouraging word to us. Lord, give us a sight of Christ and help us to feast upon him, we pray in Jesus' name.